Hello everybody, this is Nick from Radio Scorpio. I'm here with and a representative of uh, The Voice, the international student magazine. I'm the editor for the Soon in Leuven section and accompanying me is Marianne. Hey, this is Marianne. Um, I'm also working for The Voice. Um, and uh, yes, so uh, I'm from Canada, my first time on the radio today, now that we're starting up the show. So excited to be here, even though I have a cold. <laughs> well, thank you for being a trooper and uh, fighting through this despite the cold. Do you want to give folks a brief mention of some of the things we're going to discuss today? Um, no, actually, I thought you would. Oh, sorry. Pardon. <laughs> We're going to be going over some upcoming events here in Leuven. We're going to be discussing some upcoming articles as well. And we're going to punctuate our conversations with some international music. And so we're going to be sampling from all over the world, uh, Palestine, Senegal, uh, Iran, and so forth. Beyond this, we'll give some information about some things going on with The Voice. Uh, Marianne, if you wanted to mention the suggestion box and contact info. Yeah, I do. Um, we have a suggestion box now, which is um, currently in Pangea. Um, so we have uh, our, our first print edition of this year of The Voice, and um, it's lying around in different places, kind of like a scavenger hunt, if you can still manage to find a copy. And uh, yeah, if you've seen it, we'd really love to know if you liked it or what parts you didn't like. Um, so if you want to drop a suggestion in the Pangea suggestion box, we'd be really happy to read it and then um, decide what we think about your suggestion. Thank you so much. So moving on, we're going to drop some tunes for you all to listen to. The first song is from Palestine. It's called Unadekum, and it's an interesting blend of uh, yeah, Arabic music with reggae influences. It's an old Palestinian poem, and uh, here you go. Thank you. 
أشد على أياديكم وأبوس الأرض تحت نعالكم وأقول أفديكم أناديكم أشد على أياديكم وأبوس الأرض تحت نعالكم وأقول أفديكم أنا ما هنت في وطني ولا صغرت أكتفي أنا ما هنت في وطني ولا صغرت أكتفي وقفت بوجه ظلامي يتيما everyone that was Hawa Dafi and uh, right now we have some questions for Marianne you know the voice is a growing enterprise and we're looking to continue publishing and I hear the voice is looking for advertising could you share about our current ambitions and plans um, yeah well our our ambition and plan is to one day publish another print article because sadly we've only had one so far this year and uh, we're looking for some more funding opportunities so um, if anyone's listening and cares then <laughs> it would be amazing if you wanted to uh, email us and we have uh, different prices depending on the uh, ad you'd like to place but um, Yeah, you would have, uh, we have this beautiful glossy magazine, like 16 pages. Um, all the international students are reading it now. So if you want to um, make your name with the international student population, then um, publishing in The Voice is probably the place to go. Yeah, if anyone has uh, friends who are business owners or folks looking to increase their publicity, you know, raise their profile, they can always send us a message at thevoice@loco.be. And we're looking to connect, you know, we'd like to be a platform for local businesses especially and uh, other enterprises to put their name out there. Um, following this, we'll be talking soon about some upcoming events in Leuven. But before that, we're going to jump back to some music. We have Ay Matazeda, if I'm pronouncing it right. But in any event, we have some Georgian music, uh, folk, again with a dash of reggae. It's an interesting combo, but I hope you like it.
Ghena gluli vegune Kheda usrom kao izardija Sana gvezeda nagdemi Hello everyone, we're coming back now. We're going to give you some updates about some upcoming events. Now maybe you've heard from Loco, they've planned some pretty big activities and quite a number of them. Uh, I don't know, Marianne, have you heard of Think Abroad? I've heard of it, but you know, I'd really love to know more. Well, I'm glad you asked. So, <laughs> Think Abroad, it's beginning on the... 18th of March, so we're only three days away, and it's lasting 10 whole days. There's over a dozen, if not 20 or so, activities that LOCO has planned. They're having a big kickoff event in Alma 2. There's going to be a free concert on Monday the 18th. It's going to have a short introduction by the Vice Rector of International Policy, followed by three bands which are going to play. Alma's going to stay open later, which is quite nice, so if you want to eat, uh, into the evening, you know, have a nice chat with your friends. It's a perfect opportunity for that, and no less, it's going to be affordable Alma food, you know, recognizable in some ways. However, they're spicing it up. If I remember correctly, they have, like, authentic Belgian dishes, and then some Hawaiian, as well as some Korean. There's going to be prizes and events and dancing and all sorts of things. And in the coming days, uh, Pangaya, the student cafe, the international uh, student cafe, is going to be hosting countless events, too many for me to name, uh, but maybe when we come back we can begin to explain more of what's in store, the rich variety of things that LOCO is bringing to life in coordination uh, with different student groups. So it's gonna look pretty exciting, pretty busy, so try and wiggle some, uh, squeeze some time into your calendar for Think Abroad as LOCO tries to encourage you to look to the international scene and connect with uh, different cultures, which I think is nice. Uh, it's a unique city with uh, tons of international students and we have a lot to share with each other. Um, and speaking of sharing different cultural products, we're going to jump back to our music bes before we continue to discuss Think Abroad. We're going to play some Senegalese uh, dance music from a contemporary artist named Cheklo. <laughs> Il n'est jamais trop tard, 
Il n'est jamais trop tard Mes copains ont des voitures Il y en a d'autres à l'aventure Mes copains ont des villas Mes copains ils sont partis Oh mais moi je suis là Pour servir mon pays Oh je suis là Petit à petit L'oiseau fait son nid Petit à petit L'oiseau fait son nid Petit à petit L'oiseau fait son nid Donne 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 il n'est jamais trop tard il n'est jamais trop tard il n'est jamais trop tard, il n'est jamais trop tard. Mes copains ont des voitures, mes copains ont des villas, mes copains ils sont partis, il y en a d'autres à l'aventure. Oh mais moi je suis là pour servir mon pays, toujours là, petit à petit, à se faire son lit, petit à petit, à se faire son lit, petit à petit. La sophie sonne, petit à petit, la sophie sonne, donne, 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 Everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. We're back now. Um, yeah, I just had a question, Nick. You know, I really enjoyed the last song, but I was kind of distracted the whole time because I was just wondering what international organizations are involved in Think Abroad? Okay, so it's a fair and important and terrific question. Thank you. I can't list all of them, but I can list quite a few and give some examples of events that are coming up. So the International Student Cafe Pangaya, like we mentioned, is going to be hosting and quite busy with events. So local Pangaeans, people who are denizens of the Student Cafe who are often there, you might notice some new, strange, interesting sights, sounds and smells. So for example, there is an Indonesia Day 
on the 19th, so Indonesian students are organizing. There's going to be an artist, a cartoonist there doing caricatures. Uh, there's going to be Cameroonian food and film on the 21st. Uh, an Iranian student association is doing a film night on the 23rd. And I believe on the 19th as well, there's a Chinese cultural table. But I might not have all the details with me now, so I would encourage folks to go online. There's a Facebook event that you can check out. Uh, it's probably being distributed on the Pangaea page and elsewhere, and you can see the full program. Uh, it's quite nice because there's tons of different student populations here living and studying in Leuven, and maybe they get together a lot, but this is a terrific opportunity to share and uh, put what you have on display. So I can't do it all justice, so take a look for yourself. Maybe find some dancing opportunities off the Oudemarkt or some eating opportunities other than Alma. And uh, yeah, go take a gander. So we're going to move on from Think Abroad. We're going to do some more music in a moment, and we'll return with a conversation about exams and pedagogy. The next song is called Baji Wenek by Apo and the Apostles. It's kind of indie rock. It's from Jerusalem and Bethlehem. They sing in a bunch of different languages. I think it's pretty dope. Take a listen. <laughs>
Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening. We're back live. It's The Voice with Radio Scorpio. Oh, and uh, we now have a new special guest joining us who is also a writer for The Voice. So would you care to introduce yourself? Yeah, hey, I'm Marit, and I'm from the Netherlands, and I uh, studied philosophy here in Leuven. And indeed, I also write for The Voice. And um, I think now we're going to talk about um, oral exams here in Leuven, because that's actually a thing in Leuven that's pretty particular for um, around the world. Um, oral exams is not something that's really common in other countries. Marianne, you uh, have... Uh, quite an opinion about this, I think. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I should let like my my full emotions run rampant in this sort of setting. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, it's quite a shock to find out um, how the exam exam system works here compared to Canada, actually. Um, so for me, it was yeah quite a quite a surprise. I'll have an entire semester of. Um, you know, uh, two or three hour classes once a week. And then at the end of that, I have an exam worth 100% of my grade where I'll be asked two questions, two very specific questions about um, some material from the semester. Um, yeah, and it's 100%, right? So no yeah. presentations or paper, just only the oral exam. Yeah, which, you know, can be a relief for some students, especially if they don't want to go to any classes. They can just take notes from someone else and then uh, they just have to go to this one exam. But um, in terms of actually being representative of a student's knowledge, I think it's uh, really a, a ridiculous idea. The notion that 100% would be <laughs> captured in that conversation to me sounds nightmarish. I've been lucky to be spared these kind of uh, oral exams, but this sounds precisely like bad dreams I have indeed had. <laughs> like the notion that it's all in that moment. And also what's striking for me coming from the United States uh, university system prior to studying in Leuven, the fact that you don't often, from what I've heard, have many of those uh, like midterm exams or mm -hmm. periodical evaluations to give you a feeling for what sort of professor you might be dealing with. And especially if you're an international population, you're studying with international students, maybe in a master's program, folks who haven't studied with that professor before, having knowledge about what sort of professor they are, what sort of evaluator they are, isn't necessarily all apparent. So it's total terra incognita and to me, totally terrifying. But I've been lucky this far, at least. Yeah, I actually have a fellow student and um, he uh, had to file an um, official complaint against the professor because the professor actually became um, uh, personal. He, he attacked him personally. And exams are already really nerve wracking, right? Mm -hmm. So that's something you really don't want in your exam. Yeah, no, I mean, it's already such an intimidating uh, event, especially when it's 100 percent. And um, yeah, these these interpersonal factors um, obviously bias the results. Um, I mean, in an ideal system, you wouldn't even know which student you're evaluating. Um, if you had like a written exam or something, then you'd be able to mark it without knowing what gender or like if it's a student you like. Um, but worse than that, in an oral exam, it's also how you present the information. So not just what you can recall, but presenting in a way that like sounds attractive and convincing to the person. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a frustrating system. That's a huge adjustment coming to live in. And yeah. from what I've heard also, they don't record the oral exams such mm -hmm. that if you want to pursue like an appeal process, if you have a difficult time accepting that the grade is in fact objective, if you think these variables that you quite rightly identify might be playing a role, uh, and you start asking yourself, you know, can I change something? The fact that they're not recording it 
to allow for like third party observers to judge whether the grade was justified or not to me is also problematic since it doesn't really facilitate seeking justice if you think there's a lack of it oh definitely i think they just don't expect anyone to care enough to bother with it <laughs> um But yeah, you can you have like the written form that you uh, like you're able to write down your preliminary thoughts before you go into the exam. So apparently that can be used if you have a dispute. Um, but yeah, for sure, profs can ask you questions that are outside of that. So it's, it's not really um, enough grounds to defend yourself. And Marit, for you in the Netherlands, is this also how the education system works? Do they have as much of a focus on the oral exam? No, not at all, actually. No, yeah, you would maybe think that the Netherlands is... Uh, fairly close to Belgium so that it may uh, be the same but it's really different we just have written exams so when I came here I was also uh, quite surprised that I had to do oral exams um, I did them sometimes but we only had them if we needed to do a retake or something and if the professor just wanted to I don't know you know for time uh, management things um, but yeah it was something I really had to get used uh, to and the cultural differences between the Netherlands and Belgium uh, in the education system um, are th this is one of the things that are really different between the Netherlands and, and Belgium yeah did they inherit it then from uh, the, f the French system or is it a holdover Maybe. from somewhere else? Or? Yeah, yeah, that's my assumption. Yeah, I would think so. In the future, we'll have to bring on maybe a, a Flemish student or a, a yes. professor or something with an expertise in the history of pedagogy and we can get to the bottom of uh, the situation because from people that we've talked to, other folks with the voice and just friends that I see, you know, in Pangaea or studying in the library, this is a nearly universal source of uh, anxiety, confusion, sometimes resentment, uh, and I think a proper deep dive into the situation would be worthwhile. Also the like studies, research literature about it. I don't know, Marianne, I mean, you, you study psychology. What encounters have you had with studies about you know, the validity of different evaluative measures and things like that? Yeah, well, nothing specifically about examinations, but you can sort of extrapolate from other research. Mm -hmm. So, um, Well, the the first thing that kind of struck me, I mean, yeah, I'm studying psychology. We're doing oral exams where everyone involved in this should know that it's a bad idea based on the things that we're studying. So <laughs> you can see that, um, yeah, if you're looking at, for instance, um, how reliable a jury perceives a witness to be, then it depends on all kinds of factors outside of the information that the witness presents. So uh, the way the person um, dresses, like their their gender, of course, um, the way that they, like how confidently they say the information. So you can use the same information, but if you just say it more haltingly, then it doesn't have like the same, um, the same um, effect. So sure, you have interpersonal um, variables that will influence it. And uh, yeah, just in terms of it not being representative as well. If I have to take a statistics class that's showing that if you have... Um, Two, uh, two pieces of information to um, assess someone's knowledge, it's obviously going to be less representative than if you have like a hundred items as you would in a multiple choice test. Mm -hmm. So do you think the remedy is the abolition of oral exams or is there an ideal way to integrate them partially? No, no, they should be gone. <laughs> There's no reason to keep them. I, if you want to work on oral presentation or oral skills, then you should have presentations. There's no reason that you need exams so someone has this immediate pressure to recall information. Um, you know, presentation skills are important, but they should be, um, yeah, developed through presentations. Marit, do you have a perspective about this? 
Um, well, yeah, I actually was thinking that um, uh, oral presentation actually takes place um, too late in the program. Usually it is in the masters and um, that's weird because I think you already have to learn in your bachelor's how to present stuff. So, um, yeah, actually that's also like, so the oral exams are a problem, but also I think if you want to learn um, presentation skills, I think it should be included already in the bachelor program and not in the masters because then probably when you're like a PhD student, you will be then have to do presentations and then um, you will uh, <laughs> just have learned that um, in the last year and that's weird. Mm. Yeah, it's something I also wonder about the variable coming from different cultural backgrounds, the values of different education systems, and the shock that can be had when you're coming from one education system that doesn't value this mode of communication, expression, and confirmation of your knowledge and learning. Um, so, for example, maybe coming from a small, you know, quirky liberal arts school in the United States, I think there's maybe quite an emphasis on being able to do uh, the tasks required of you in an oral exam, whereas coming from another nation where it's much more, you know, fill in the form, hand in the form, you don't talk to anyone, you don't even put your name on potentially. Uh, I wonder, especially in the context of us, you know, as international students and in our population, what the consequences of this are sort of demographically from your different backgrounds. Yeah, definitely. If you have more exposure to the system, I think you have a huge advantage. I mean, I think um, students who have done this for the past three years are also likely to be um, more confident going into an oral exam. Um, so yeah, maybe even like a, a training program, you know, <laughs> or uh, some sort of some sort of introduction to this or tips on how you could manage this. But I mean, actually, I think this is not what we should be doing. We should just be saying like, clearly, this is a bad idea. Let's move on. I, I appreciate and frankly, I'm persuaded at this juncture by that uh, perspective. Maybe we'll get some angry letters from a professor listening in or some <laughs> defender of the oral exam and its uh, prevalence and dominance, frankly, hmm. in the uh, Belgian and university system. Um, maybe we can jump to some music now. Uh, coming up next, we have a band called Jane Bordeaux. They're from Israel, uh, from Tel Aviv specifically, and they have folksy sort of American country inspired acoustic uh, music seems fitting for a cafe anywhere from Hebron to Nashville, so take a listen.
Hey everyone, we're back. Thanks for continuing to listen with us. That was Jane Bordeaux, a band from Tel Aviv. So we just broke off. We had been talking about the culture of examination in Belgium. And, you know, it was surprising Marit was sharing the difference between the Netherlands, not so far uh, from here. And, you know, we're curious now. Many people might assume, outsiders, mm-hmm. that, you know, countries that share a language, share a border, share some history, there might be you know, a significant significant go-between. But I think we're all beginning to learn there's, you know, at the small scale, always big differences we can learn to appreciate. Yeah, I was exactly. wondering if you could shed some light. Yeah, I hear this from a lot of people actually that I meet, that they uh, assume that I'm... Um uh, similar to the Belgians and that I don't have any cultural uh, clash when I came here. Um, but I did actually because um, uh, the Dutch and the and, and Bel- uh, Flemish people are really different in the sense that um, the Dutch are pretty much in your face. Um, they're really direct and uh, they will say it how it is. And uh, well, I think a lot of people who are listening right now will uh, know that um, the Belgians are a little bit more uh, reserved, a little bit formal. And actually, when I came here, I uh, quite liked that because um, they are friendly and um, the Dutch can be, if someone is really in your face, it can also be like um, really intimidating. So, yeah, I do like the the way uh, Flemish people carry themselves and how they are um, uh, friendly. And um, the only thing <laughs> which, which was really frustrating when I came here, <laughs> this is something entirely different, but um, that... <laughs> There was the roads, actually, and like the sidewalks that are sometimes just completely, completely missing. And <laughs> like the holes in the roads and oh, it's terrible. So yeah, I don't know. It's, if you... it's, well, actually, since I moved into my um, I, I'm in a cot and uh, in front of it, there's construction. And I thought like, well, construction, how long can it go on? But every morning at uh, 7 a.m. sharp, the construction resumes. Yes. And I, I think they're building like a giant complex there or something. I don't know what's happening in this construction zone, but, um, you know, on on the bright side, I think I've really sort of, like, um, understood the construction workers in Belgium a lot better than I would have otherwise. Um, I hear the music they listen to. I see when they take lunches. Um, I'll see, like, oh, one one got a haircut, I guess. (laughs) Good season for it. Um, But, you know, sometimes it's frustrating. I'm trying to do work in my room, and... uh, you wouldn't believe the the radio that they listen to. Like there was um, there was that song. Oh, who is it? Spice Girls or something? Where they say, "If you want to be my lover, yeah. gotta get with my friends." <laughs> That's not yeah what I would expect. So it's uh, you know I feel like wow now I know something that how else could I get that experience? It's ah, very yeah. rewarding. Nice. That's something I think a lot of people mention, and I'm surprised talking to my friends. This is my second year in Leuven, and I have a number of friends who are Flemish, uh, a large portion of my social circle, in fact, and a lot of my free time is in spaces uh, dominated by locals, Leuvenars, you know. Uh, But I have tons of friends coming from other countries, whether it's Greece, Spain, China, you know, Brazil, etc. And they say, I I don't really have, you know, many friends who are, you know, actual locals. And uh, it's kind of striking and unfortunate to me that they uh, can come away with this. And there's an oft-repeated... truism and you know i've become suspicious of it about the reservedness or difficulty of of approaching the flemish and this is often you know marit what you were sharing too the something that people observe the difference across the border Mm -hmm. and so i'm curious you know it's a border that separates flanders from the netherlands but there's also this history there's religious difference once upon a time catholic protestant Mm -hmm. there's political differences etc is there anything like 
historically that we think, you know, can help us tell the the account here, or do, is it just sort of a phenomenon that we just kind of have to say, okay? Well, uh, I don't know if it's historically. The only thing that I um, was assuming when I came here was, or what I observed was that for me, coming from Netherlands, it was uh, as if the people here were really French. Mm-hmm. They were really French to me. Um, I don't know how to explain it exactly, but maybe it's also, yeah, it's, it's weird little things like um, they uh, smoke more in the streets. Um, they dress more like French people. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so. And also when I go with the train back to the Netherlands, then the funny thing is that in the uh, trains in uh, Belgium, um, I can just work quietly. Everyone is uh, at peace. And then I go uh, on the train in the Netherlands and the people are so loud and they just, yeah, it's really, they scream and there are run- children running everywhere. And then I remember again why I left there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you've uh, come to warm to your new uh, home. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I have as well. Marianne Howers, apart from your, or including, I guess, your burgeoning, you know, familiarity with the construction workers, how are you feeling about your <laughs> new environs, you know? Um, yeah, I guess I, I didn't really have many expectations before I came here. I, I didn't really come here because of the country or anything. It was really because of the program. Um so I had lived in uh, Berlin and Paris before I moved to Belgium. Um, but yeah, Leuven is also kind of a, a strange place. <laughs> it's such a such a small city, but with such concentration of students. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it really sort of blew my mind when I first arrived here that you could literally walk from one end of the city to the other in half an hour. Um, so that's... Also, if you heard this fact, you would assume it was like some little village with nothing going on. But actually, it's just so dense in Leuven compared to other cities. Yeah, definitely. There's so much going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm not exactly like a country boy or anything. Like I, I was raised in a really stereotypical cookie cutter American suburbs. Uh, yet even for me, Leuven was a big sort of step up. The university where I got my bachelor's degree was attached to a city, but I didn't spend like all my time sort of in the city, like the, the the proper city, you know, center and stuff. So for me, it's kind of the opposite where I feel like I'm trapped in the concrete jungle, <laughs> at which, of course, everyone laughs. Like any friend I have from, you know, New York City or Istanbul or uh, a big city in China or something, they think I'm insane and must have lived, you know, in a thatch hut back in the United <laughs> States or something. Um, but I've, I've grown to really enjoy getting out of Leuven, despite how much I love it and the architecture and the, the sights and the sounds and the cobble streets and things. But I spend a lot of time trying to get into the countryside and find, you know, little forest paths to bike and walk along and things like that. Um, and Marit, you had been sharing earlier that you were maybe considering doing a piece on, you know, hidden gems uh, throughout Leuven. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm doing uh, this photography project, actually, um, uh, where I want to take the camera um, with me when I go out and about in Leuven. And there are uh, a lot of hidden gems in Leuven. Um, for example, there are some cafes that I think not many people know. Um, there's one that I really want to uh, share. Um, that's It's called the Blaue Schuit. And it's um, it's near the Blaue Kater, actually. People do know that, I think. Um, but this one has one of the prettiest gardens of Leuven. 
And the really interesting thing is that um, there is a peacock actually walking around there in the garden. And also in the in it also goes into the cafe. It's like a, a pet for uh, for the people who work there, I guess. And sometimes you see him lying down. Sometimes he will, you know, uh, expose all his feathers really beautifully. Um, so yeah, you should definitely check that out, especially in spring. It's really nice. Um, so I will uh, go there. And but also I really want to know more about um, uh, what you just said, like more the outskirts of mm. Leuven, the biking, hiking, things like that. Um, so yeah, if if people have any suggestions also for that, because um, Leuven, it, I mean, it is a small city, but there's um, a lot of things that a lot of hidden places. I think I still I'm here for over three years already, and I still there are still things that I I've never been and that I didn't know about. So I think that's going to be interesting to to find those hidden places. Yeah, I think just in like brief conversation, we've talked about it a few times and with some other friends and things, there's quite a lot of enthusiasm about uncovering things that people miss. You know, we get sometimes in a groove that we'd like to break with something new. Uh, a peacock for me would be because I, I walk around and I often look for cats to pet because I guess I'm still a child or something. Um, but man, like a peacock would be an entertaining uh, or interesting diversion. Exactly. When you first found it, like, did you go to the cafe just to Without drink? knowing, yeah. And then it just, there was and a peacock. And then it was there, exactly, yeah. Okay. And is it just one peacock, though? Because I was just thinking, like, it's amazing for us to see the peacock, but isn't that a lonely peacock? Oh, yeah, maybe. We'll, we'll have to do some research, maybe in the musical break, about the social <laughs> pathologies of peacocks and things. Maybe he needs a friend, and this yeah. could be an important task for the voice. Uh, but coming up, we'll have a little bit of music. We have a Turkish group called Kardeş Turkuler, and they sing folk music from all over Turkey. This song is in Turkish itself. And uh, yeah, Kardeş Turkuler, here they come.
Hello, everyone. This is The Voice with Radio Scorpio. We're back. Uh, thank you for listening. We just had Kardash Turkuler, a uh, band from Turkey. They do folkloric songs and uh, old poems and hymns from ancient times. But anyway, we were just talking about hidden places uh, in Leuven to sort of spice up people's lives to break out of, you know, maybe some habits and discover some new things. My appetite uh, has been whetted. I'm curious to hear more. Do we have uh, some things we can brainstorm about or things we'd like to share with uh, our listeners? Well, there. I heard um, yesterday that uh, there is also, um, um, I think everyone is familiar with Maximos, the mm-hmm. bar. Um, this is a bar in uh, Naamsestraat. And um, apparently, if you go into Maximos, there is a bar behind Maximos. And um, they play uh, really good jazz music, I heard. It's really different from what, what they play in Maximos because that's more like, yeah, well, let's let's say poppy. And but so there's some some kind of um, hidden bar mm-hmm. behind Ma- uh, Maximos. So, yeah, I definitely want to check that out. Someone told me once that there was like a speakeasy behind Maximos <laughs> that if you just sort of kept going, they said, oh, just yeah. go into Maximos and keep going. And yes, then there's another exactly. place and they played really different music. Yeah. And I thought they were messing with me. No, yeah. I, no, I've heard this as well. Yeah, well, maybe it's like an urban legend. We, we should, I mean, we should find out. I don't know. Yeah. Or we can just like continue this myth. Everyone yeah. looking for something. Yes, exactly. Probably the guys at Maximus are getting really annoyed by this. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone keeps going into their like closets and <laughs> like restrooms in the back. Yeah, that's something we should be uh, careful and precise about when we're uh, suggesting places <laughs> yeah. for people yeah, to visit. We true. shouldn't just be like, yeah, there's this great cafe. Okay, so you open the manhole cover and climb down. <laughs> So, Nick, where did you actually uh, go biking or hiking in Leuven? Okay, yeah, I mean, I could talk quite a lot about this. I'll limit myself to two. Mm-hmm. One which is west-northwest of Leuven. This is Kastel van Horst. And then south of Leuven, some people have heard of Zutwater, uh, um, Heverleibos. And then there's also some other places along there. So, first, Kastel van Horst. I'd say it's maybe like a 30-minute bike ride, sort of north and then quite a bit west of Leuven. It's, uh, as the name implies, it's kind of like a castle, a palace, but it's on and surrounded by water. It's quite old. It's from, I think, the 1600s, perhaps. It's not inhabited by, you know, any royalty or knights or anything anymore, but it's been transformed into a museum. There's a cafe right next door. In the summers, in August, they have a renaissance fair of some kind, and sometimes they have other events. It's really nice for people who are into either history or sort of ecology. You can go take a visit go into the museum, learn some things about history. Like I mentioned before, I like cats. There's often cats hanging around <laughs> Castel von Horst, so shout out to my friends who love that. Anyway, back to normal things. There's also signs up if you want to learn just about the sort of the landscape, the soil, the sorts of things that grow here in Flanders. It discusses the watershed, uh, where the water's coming from that flows into the pond around Castel von Horst. And it makes for a nice day trip, I'd say. You know, pack a lunch, put it in your bicycle bag, bike with some friends 30 minutes. If you go a special way, or if you plug it into Google Maps, you can pass by, for history lovers, a place where Napoleon uh, Bonaparte once stayed while he was on his military campaigns in Belgium. It's called Bed van Napoleon, so na- the bed of Napoleon. And upstairs, there is uh, an old wire bed that legend has it Napoleon slept in as he was campaigning through here. So I don't know whether you go there to rue Napoleon or to celebrate him. Uh, I bet there's some strong feelings attached to that. But anyway, it's a nice cafe. Um, There's some cherry trees nearby. Uh, It's really pleasant. It's on a hill overlooking a little valley with uh, some quaint Belgian villages in there. So I highly recommend it. 
And then lastly, to the south of Leuven, like I mentioned, if you're into bicycling, running, walking, there's Heverley Bos, which is just the forest uh, near Heverley. And then there's a number of small ponds or lakes um, uh, coming uh, attached to the Dela. So if you want to bring some food, bring some friends, listen to some music, and just overlook the water, you can watch birds. They have little huts that you can set up camp in and look out. Sometimes you'll see locals who have brought massive cameras that look like cannons, and they're photographing, you know, swans, Canadian geese, and all sorts of other birds which I'm not familiar with and don't know yet the names of. But it's really gorgeous, and it's really tranquil. Is so, this uh, Zutawaters? So this is, Zutawaters is one, and there's an abbey near Zutawaters. That's quite nice. Um, but there's other smaller places. It would be difficult to uh, explain in precision here, though I can give some handy tips. Hopefully we'll make a map and write an article later. But what I would say now is if you take the bicycle path that goes past uh, the University Fitness Center, that goes south towards Arenberg, you keep going straight, you follow that path, um, and you continue along the banks of the Dela. If you do that without stopping for a couple of 10, 15 minutes, you'll end up just with a nice bicycle ride along the Dela River, passing through some farm pastures, seeing sheep and cows and things like this. If you want to rent a canoe, there's a place to do that to, to do that in Bertum, which is a town south of Leuven as well. So if you ever wanted to go kayaking, canoeing, it's a nice uh, day trip as the weather hopefully gets better. Yeah, I also went to the to the Zutawates actually, and then um, there is this uh, natural uh, water uh, spring, water source. Like, um, it's it's really nice to drink from it in the summer because it's um, extremely cool. But there's also a funny legend attached to it actually, because um, they say that when you drink from it, um, you will get married within a year. So I actually drank from it last summer. Um, <laughs> I'm not married yet, so I have a few months to go. But um, yeah, so anyone who wants to get married within a year, just go there to drink from this natural spring of water. All of your suggestions so far are terrific because they're kind of like myth-busting. You know, <laughs> yes, we have exactly. these legends yeah. and we're on the case uh, investigating <laughs> yeah. them. So Yeah, we, they may all be made up though, as far as we know. Uh, no, this one, actually, the, the, in the forest, there is this whole, the legend is all described. You can uh. read ab all about it. Our yes. curiosity whether it works we want results yes exactly <laughs> actually i do have one friend who drank from it and he got married within a year and he didn't even know the his <laughs> um the one he was going to marry uh, yet so yeah hopefully we can build up to a proper sample size but we only have a few yeah. minutes left unfortunately so everyone from the voice on radio scorpio we're going to play ourselves out we have uh, 99 or 99 a recent rendition by kaleida it's a famous song, cautionary tale about nuclear war. So uh, take a listen, enjoy, and thank you for listening with us today. Does everyone want to sign out? Say goodbye to listeners? Yes, yes. we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thanks for tuning in. Um, I'm Marianne. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. I'm Marit. And thanks for tuning in. I'm Nick. Auf ihrem Weg zum Horizont Denkst du vielleicht gerade an mich Dann singe ich ein Lied für dich Von 99 Luftballons Dass sowas von sowas kommt
Lass ihn 